Welcome to The Surpassing Worth, a podcast where we study scripture, know Christ deeper, and treasure him above all things. This is your host, Cole. Thanks for joining me. We're now in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. The title of this episode is Cheating God's Word. So let's listen to the text for today, and then we will pray. For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's Word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word of truth, that, Lord, every word you have spoken— Lord, in the Bible, is true, and your Son, being the Word, the living Word, has come to show us truth, to be truth, to be the living water that we drink of. Lord, and I pray that as we study this text, that we will not be peddlers of your Word, God, but that in sincerity we will handle your Word with caution, with, with carefulness, Lord, that we would cherish your Word and preach it, Lord, that we are ultimately commissioned by you to make disciples, Lord, of your Son, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we get into really this last verse of chapter 2. So we are in uh, this section where Paul is describing his ministry. And if you remember from last week, he spent a lot of time in a few verses talking about how he and his ministry is the aroma of Christ to God. So we really related that to uh, living our lives in such a way that we uh, show off the goodness of God. And in a sense, using that uh, imagery that we smell like Christ. And we, we saw how the gospel will divide between two camps. First, those who are being saved, being the aroma of Christ to God, the sweetness of salvation. But then second, to those who are perishing. And Paul said in verse 16 that we would be a fragrance from death to death to them. So almost like a poison that those who reject the gospel, when they hear the gospel, when they see our lives, when they see Christians really living it out, it will be poison to them. It will be a fragrance of death because they are hardening their hearts over and over. So what we saw in the end is that the gospel divides between two camps. And a lot of people, they don't like to hear that. They like to think that uh, the gospel only is going to bring good results and good fruit. And so we're coming to a verse now where Paul is really uh, putting his ministry in uh, antithetical nature to those who want to just see good results from their ministry, to be approved by men, so to speak. So listen to what he says in verse 17. He says, For we are not like so many others, peddlers of God's word. So let's stop right there. Paul is setting himself in contrast to these false teachers or these false super apostles, as we've been calling them throughout this commentary. He says, we're not like them because who are they? They are peddlers of God's word. This is such an interesting word. It doesn't occur elsewhere in the whole New Testament uh, and nowhere in the Greek Old Testament either. Really, basically, this word is related to uh, a merchant who would go into the marketplace and basically cheat his customers by offering a product that uh, was disingenuous to increase his profit margin. So he just wanted to go in and cheat people. He was a cheatscape. So equate this to getting a call from uh, those buggy salesmen who are trying to sell you insurance or you know trying to tell you you got an auto car loan that you haven't paid off. That's exactly what Paul is saying. He's like, 
there are people out there who will use God's word. And by God's word, he's meaning the gospel, also the Old Testament, uh, who will use God's word for their own profit and gain. And this is something to be aware of, especially as Christians. We need to be very careful of those who will use God's word simply to increase, uh, quote unquote, their profit margin. So think of it like this. The idea is of someone who is taking the gospel. So the gospel meaning the good news of Jesus, uh, and they are diminishing a part of it. They're leaving a part of it out or they're changing it so that the result, the finished product will be uh, more appealing, more uh, readily accessible to the listener. So just an example of this. We know that sin is a reality in the world. And we know that as Paul says elsewhere in Romans, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul even goes further to say that we all are living in opposition to God, as enemies of God in Romans 5, but then in Ephesians 2, that we're dead in our sins, following the trespasses of our of our sinful nature and following the prince of the power of the air, that we are enemies of God. That is not good news to hear if you are seeking uh, to, to be closer to God, to uh, want to accept the Christian message and follow Jesus. That is something that sets you in stark opposition to God. But that's part of Paul's gospel. It's part of the gospel that was handed to him by Jesus himself, that we on our own are separated from God. And that, in fact, we are living in accordance with the passions of our desires in opposition to God. And this is terrible news. And so maybe one of these teachers is leaving that out and saying, no, you can come to God maybe by how you live your life. You're good enough on your own. And that's diminishing the gospel of God so that they will have a more accessible and accepted gospel in in the ears of their hearers. Another example could be that instead of only salvation through the merit of Jesus on our behalf, as Paul says in Romans, that it's only by Jesus's righteousness on our behalf that we uh, accept that by faith, that because we have faith in the living Son of God, that we can have righteousness. Maybe these false teachers are uh, presenting a works-based salvation. That they're saying, no, you got to do this. And if you do this, this, and that, then you're good. You're, you're fine. I want to think of it maybe in a modern day setting. Let's talk about the self-help movement. It's rampant in Christianity today. You listen to a preacher and all they talk about is you are worthy. You are enough. You just do the next thing. Put, do what God's laid on your heart. He'll open those doors. He's going to make a way for you. He's going to do it. He's going to provide. He's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you what you want, what you've been desiring. That blessing's going to come. I mean, I can almost hear uh, the, the teacher of God's word saying that in that moment. This is a self-help gospel. It is a false teaching. It is not the gospel of Jesus. Nowhere does God promise us a happy, carefree, and content life where we get what we want and what we need. Nowhere. In fact, Jesus says that in this world you will have trouble. So take heart and rejoice, for I've overcome the world. And elsewhere, Jesus says to deny yourself daily, take up your cross, and follow him. And Paul says later in Philippians 4 that whether in hunger or in need, whether I'm plenty and full, I have everything I need because I've learned to be content in Christ Jesus because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So be very careful who you listen to. Be very careful who. Uh, in what they're saying, do they diminish sin or do they tell you as, as it is of the sin that is in our hearts and point you to the cross of Jesus for forgiveness? 
is what they're teaching only self-help, meaning that they're just talking about how you can be a better person, uh, how you need to do what's on your heart, what God's laid on your heart. Not to say those things aren't bad, but are we replacing pop psychology with the gospel of Jesus? I really believe we need to ask ourselves that. I would say be very careful who you listen to, especially on YouTube, on the internet. Uh, I know you're listening to this podcast, uh, but hopefully uh, you know, you're know you reading the Bible on your own and you're in a Bible-believing, gospel-centered church where they're preaching the Word of God. It's only relatively recently that we have so much access to so much teaching around the world. And honestly, it probably does more danger than it does good because you can have these peddlers of God, God's Word. And I'm not saying that they do it intentionally. Some do, obviously, especially the ones that are asking for your money uh, to sow a seed. Don't do that. Some may do it unintentionally because they have fallen into the trap of the approval of man. They get the most numbers when they uh, diminish the gospel of God and preach self-help. They get uh, the most cheers and the most applauses, and their church is lauded as a good church. But are they preaching the gospel of Jesus in its entirety? A good way to track this is simply to read the whole book of Romans in one sitting and to line up any teaching with the book of Romans because Romans is Paul's most extensive gospel treatise. He explains the gospel. He exp- explains men, man's uh, opposition to God in our sin. He explains justification by faith alone, by grace alone, by the merit of Jesus alone. And then he walks into a life of living in the spirit of what it means to be a living sacrifice uh, to God because of the gospel that he, that we have and that we've received. So be very careful who you listen to. Are they a peddler of God's word? And we also inwardly should should think of the reasons we're reading God's word. Why are we doing it? Is it simply to make our lives better or is it to know Jesus deeper? That's a question we need to ask. So Paul's saying we aren't like these people. Rather, as we learned last week, he preached the full gospel because there were some who accepted this gospel, and to them, the gospel was a sweet aroma of salvation, of knowing Jesus, but also it was uh, a fragrance of death to death for some because they likely heard about the depths of their sin and their need to repent and to, to accept the forgiveness of Jesus on their behalf. It was a fragrance of death because the gospel uh, puts the, the fact that we are in opposition to God in the forefront. So Paul said, we're not like these men, but rather as men of sincerity. And this is a word that's come up again, that Paul's ministry is denoted by a sincere uh, entreaty to accept the gospel. He said, we are commissioned by God. And in fact, as the apostles, they were commissioned by God. Paul was specifically given a mission by God to preach to the Gentiles. And we know that the other apostles were given uh, a mission to make disciples. And I would say that by implication, we as disciples of Jesus in the church are given that commission also to make disciples um, of all nations. He says that in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So this is the key to Paul's ministry, and it's the key to our lives as well. Paul says, there's one thing I, I take account of, is that I speak in the sight of God, that I stand before no one else except God alone. At the end of my life, when I give an account of all my words, deeds, and thoughts and actions, there's only one person that matters, and that's God. There's only one person's opinion and judgment of me that matters, and that's God's. So Paul's ministry was based on how uh, God would view his action, how God would view his ministry. Now think of it this way. 
if God has given us so great a gospel and so great a salvation, and in fact, Jesus tells this parable where he gives different, the master gives different amounts of money to each of his servants. And some servants took that money and they multiplied it. They invested it. They, they spoke the gospel. They, they preached the good news to others who accepted it and went in turn, um, the kingdom of God spread. But there was one person, one servant who took the money and hid it in the ground. And when the master came back, the servant um, said, look, here's your money that I, I, you gave me. I didn't want to uh, throw it away. I didn't want to risk it. So I just hid it in the ground. And the master says, you foolish servant. You could have invested it at least. You could have put it in the bank to gain interest. But no, you, you wasted this, uh, this investment that I gave you. And I really think of this exactly what Paul's saying here, that in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. If we have so great a salvation in Jesus, if he has given us um, reconciliation to God um, through his shed blood, if he has given us his Holy Spirit, who is our inheritance, and we know we will be with him forever in eternity, if we know that God will one day make everything new when Jesus returns, if we have this gospel, then it would be so wasteful of us to uh, just throw it away or not share it. So, like Paul, we live for one person, and that's God alone. So in your life right now, are you living for the approval of others? Is the fact and the, re- the fact that some may reject what you have to say about Jesus, is that keeping you from sharing the gospel? In a sense, are you becoming like a peddler of God's word, taking a part of God's gospel and diminishing it so that it may be more appealing to others or more appealing? Are you trying to make your Christian lifestyle and your Christian convictions based off the word of God more appealing to others around you so that they may accept you, so that they may look on you and say, oh, no, we, we kind of agree. Or are you, in the sight of God, speaking in Christ, the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God, uh, the whole gospel of God, not diminishing sin, not giving into a, a self-help or a works-based gospel, but saying that the only way that men and women are saved is in the name of Jesus, by his shed blood on our behalf, that we have to repent from our sin, to repent from our opposition and being enemies of God and accept that only Jesus' righteousness on our behalf, that we have nothing to offer on our own, that in fact, apart from God, we aren't worthy, that we are condemned apart from God, but Jesus taking our place, becoming sin for us, is our salvation. Are you afraid to speak that gospel? Or are you, like Paul, in the sight of God, speaking in Christ, knowing that one day you'll only stand before one name, that's the name of Jesus, And on that day, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You took the gospel that I gave you and you invested it. You multiplied it so that many heard and many came to me through the sweet aroma of knowing Jesus Christ.